Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning or your phone, whatever you use, turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 in your New Testaments. We have been so blessed to have started our our Bible study classes on Sunday mornings. They happen at 9 a.m., if you didn't know, in various various locations in our building. And I hope you've been enjoying the extra teaching. But we haven't been able to have Hill Kids during that hour due to a shortage of volunteers for that specific need. And I'm happy to share that we're getting much closer to having enough workers for that ministry. We need less than five people, which is good, but bad, because it's just like that last little smidge that we need. And so if you would like to serve in our Hill Kids ministry, you can, you can sign up. There's needs in nursery, uh, a couple different classes. That is listed in your bulletin. So uh, reach out to Kyle Hart and let him know, and he'll get you plugged in. You can reach out to him through the office or at mywhbc.com. Thanks for being willing to serve in that very important ministry. Well, we are in week two of our series called Making Possible the Impossible. Last week we talked about this issue of, of holding grudges, uh, seeking revenge, and harboring bitterness, that it's impossible for us as Christ followers to move forward in a healthy way in our lives when we are doing those things, when we're holding grudges and seeking revenge and harboring bitterness. We learned last week that grudges can cause more damage to us than those who had caused us pain. That we are often hurt so much more than those who, who hurt us when we hold on to those, to those things and those challenges and we don't extend forgiveness to those when they've hurt us and we hold it against them. That we're actually hurt more in those moments than the people who hurt us in the first place. And today we're going to take a little turn. We talked a little bit about this last week. But we're going to dive deeper into the area of forgiveness today. This topic of forgiveness, I don't have to tell you that it's not an easy topic for many of us in the room today. And you have your own various reasons. It's just simply not as easy as it sounds. So please listen closely today and consider what God might want to do in your heart. And if you're there in Matthew 18... Start reading with me in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had been, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. 
And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning for your word. We're thankful that it does not return void, that it is perfect, that it is enough. And so God, as we read it and as we study it and as we talk about this issue of forgiveness and forgiving others, God, I pray that you would do a miracle in the hearts of your people. That there are, there are people in the room today, and you know their hearts, that are harboring bitterness, that are, that are holding that are holding forgiveness from someone who desperately needs it. God, help us, remind us how much you have forgiven each and every one of us, and how much you love us, and how much mercy and how much grace you have given to us, your children. Not only at the cross when you, when you saved us, when you gave up your life as, as a pardon for our sin, but, but also each and every time that we sin, that we rebel against you, you forgive us and you don't hold it against us. Oh God, we are so grateful and so thankful for that truth today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Keep your Bibles open there to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to come back to it here in just a little while. Now, I'm the oldest in my family. How many of you are oldest children in here this, this morning? So we've got a few oldest children. You'll sympathize. Uh, my parents were first-generation Christians. They were the first to be saved in my family, and, and by my standards, they were, they were pretty strict. Maybe you have a similar story. But one, but one thing that I noticed, and maybe it was just me that noticed this, but I have a sister— and my sister is six years younger than me. She came in the picture a few years after I was born. And I have an understanding that my parents were not as strict with my sister as they were with me. Mom and Dad, if you're watching, I'm confessing this morning how I really feel. They were way harder on me than they were my sister. She got away with stuff that I would have never been allowed to get away with, even, even remotely allowed to get away with. And any time that I would see my sister doing something that I wished I could have done and gotten away with it, I would have some feelings inside. I would have some emotions that would come up, and, and it would be viewed in my heart as something that was extremely unfair to me. Why should she be allowed to do all the things that I wish I could have done? Why does she get to have fewer rules than me? Why is the punishment lighter for her than it was for me? I would get grounded a month for something. She'd get grounded for five days. And, and, and so it was just, it was always such a challenge. But one thing that I noticed, my sister very rarely complained about how she was treated. Because I think she knew. I think she was laughing at me secretly. Not one time did she complain about how she was treated, and I don't think any of us would. Because when something is benefiting us, we usually don't complain about how unfair it might be. Maybe you go to the store and you see something 
um, on the shelf and you go back the next day to buy it and you discover that the same shirt or the same product or the same vehicle or whatever has been marked down a considerable amount from the original price. You would never walk up to that store manager and complain that that price had been marked down. I mean, you wouldn't say, hey, you should never have marked that shirt down or put it on sale because just yesterday I would have had to pay the normal price for it. However, if you went back the next day and you saw that, that something that you wanted had been marked up a considerable amount, you'd be pretty upset. You'd, you probably would let somebody know. Because when we feel like we've been treated in an unfair way, we suddenly become experts on the topic of what is fair and what is unfair. It's part of our human nature. It's a part of my nature. I'm constantly doing it in all circumstances and in, and in many moments of my life. And maybe you would feel the same way. Maybe you wouldn't. But the same idea is true when it comes to the topic or the issue of forgiveness in our lives. When people take the time to actually forgive us for something... I think that most of us are happy about that, right? I mean, I mean, when people forgive us, even though we know in our hearts how awful we truly were to that person, when we, when we offer forgiveness, even though we don't deserve it, or we're given forgiveness, even though we don't deserve it, we are beyond happy about that. I don't think any of us would ever say anything like, hey, I don't deserve to be forgiven for anything. There's truth to that statement, but I don't know that I've ever actually said that out loud. But when other people do things against us, and they hurt us, we turn into the final authority on the topic. We become, we become the person that wrote the book. We wrote the steps on how to deal with these issues. And I would guess that the majority of us would agree this morning. I think anyone who's even watching online would say that forgiveness is a good idea. But most people would agree that not everything that happens in this life is actually forgivable. I mean, when is something too serious to forgive? That's a tough question to answer. I mean, is there this moment in the storyline when, when we have forgiven someone more than they should have been forgiven? Or at what point are we simply enabling someone to continue to, to sin and, and to keep doing harmful and hurtful things against us? Are there actually people who have done certain things who actually don't deserve forgiveness? I mean, is there a time when it is in the best options available for us to, to avenge someone else's wrongdoing against us as opposed to forgiving it? And if you were here last week and you forgot what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, I would encourage you to go back and read Romans chapter 12 again. Because you're going to find that it is never a good option to seek revenge because revenge just brings about more revenge. And it brings about more evil and evil. Because when we seek it, the other person seeks it. And it, and it becomes this, this round and round process that takes place. But if you're like me, you like to ask questions. And you really like to have questions answered. Things like, 
when should I actually offer forgiveness to someone? In the moments that you've been hurt and are frustrated, how do you know when it's the right time to choose forgiveness and when is it the right time not to choose it? In other words, how, how do you judge when it's the right time? Maybe you measure things. If you're an analytical or a person who likes to observe and you like details and you like to kind of get into the nuts and the bolts of things, maybe you measure things. Like you, you have a scale that you, you measure things on. It's like a ruler and then you make the decision after you've measured this situation out whether or not it's a good time to offer forgiveness for something. Maybe your spouse makes a hurtful comment. So you measure that at like a six and a half or a seven. And your spouse tends to speak without thinking often. They never filter, so you usually just ignore it. But this time, it was really hurtful. So you're going to decide that you're just not going to forgive that situation. Maybe you're a high school student and your dad missed your last play while you were in high school. He's missed a lot of things in your, in your years because of his travel schedule, but you didn't think about it as much as you did now. This was the last time that he was ever going to see you perform at your school, and you just decided that that was it, that you were never going to let that situation go for him. Maybe someone only wants to be around you when they want something from you. They want to use your garage, they want to use your truck, or something that they don't have. And the last time that they used it, they broke something and they didn't tell you and they didn't offer to fix it. They damaged it and never made it right, so you've decided that you're never going to just move past that situation. It sounds silly, but I know people who have done those things. Maybe you were abused at some point in your life. That's actually off the charts when you start measuring whether someone deserves forgiveness or not. I mean, this one's a very sensitive topic. It just got really quiet in this room. Because that one would go in the unforgivable category. That would be something that, that would, would never deserve forgiveness. And I don't even understand what it's like to experience something or that type of hurt in my own life. But to you, if it's happened to you, you will never forgive that person. But I know what counselors and God would encourage anyone who has endured something like that to do. They would encourage forgiveness. Even the secular world would encourage forgiveness because they know that when we forgive, it has freeing power in our lives. I could give example after example. What about when you're cheated on? You're ignored, you're lied about, gossiped about, someone is stabbing you in the back. How do we measure those things? And should we even measure those things? It's in those moments that we have a choice to make. And the choice that we have to make is how are we going to answer that question that I asked just a few moments ago of when is it the right time to forgive? And we're going to come back to that question here in just a little while. 
But first, I want to give some good news, a little bit of good news as it pertains to our God, the one that we just sang to just a few moments ago. The good news is, God does not measure our sins. I mean, that's really good news for all of us sitting in the room this morning. And I don't know about you, but I'm extremely thankful for that beautiful truth today. I mean, think about it for just a moment. All of the things that you do that you shouldn't be doing. All the things that you don't do that you actually should do. All the awful things that you've thought or that you've said about someone else behind their backs. The terrible things that you have actually done to other people, Christian and non-Christian. What you do when no one is actually in the room looking would go on that list. And I'm sure most of us in the room would, would say that we know what the Word of God tells us and that is this simple truth that we have all fallen short of God's perfect standard. The standard of perfect holiness. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. We've all rebelled against him. We were born in rebellion against him. And even as Christians, we have taken steps in a rebellious direction against God and his plan for our lives and how he wants us to live in holiness and in pursuit of him and his plan. We also know that because of these offenses, we deserve something called death. Romans 6.23 makes it clear, for the wages, the, the, the payment that we, that we pay, that we should pay, is death. So I think if we consider how heavy that is, I think that I'd like to opt out of what I think is fair today. And if anyone has the right to measure sin and measure the offenses that have been made against anyone, I would say it would be God. So does God just choose between what sins he's going to forgive and which ones he's not? Does he ever measure? Do you see that in the scriptures at any point? No. He extends beautiful forgiveness to the most extreme levels, to the most undeserving people on the planet. And I would argue that no one in our Bibles understood that more than a person by the name of Paul. If there was ever a person who did not deserve forgiveness, and whose actions, by the way, especially by our standards, it would be very unfair to, to think that Paul should ever receive forgiveness. Paul had Christ followers killed under his watch. He actually ordered those murders, and then he stood by and often watched as Christians would be, would be murdered for following Jesus. And then Paul has this encounter with Jesus on the way to Damascus, and everything changes for him. We know that Paul was converted three days later in Damascus when he received the Holy Spirit. Acts 22 tells us that Ananias went to him and told him to call on the name of Jesus to wash away his sin. And he realizes his sins are forgiven. He was a changed person. I mean, just, I just want you to think about that for a moment. 
I mean, if you think about how awful you were before you were saved, and for some of us that varies, right? I was saved when I was six. I don't really have this track record of wickedness. But maybe you do. But just compare your situation to Paul's. Have you ever had a Christian murdered? Have you ever ordered a group of of people to murder Christians? That's Paul. That's how big this was. I mean, that's the reality that Paul has to deal with as he walks through this issue of forgiveness. He knew that he didn't deserve it. And some of the people who knew who Paul was and what he had done, if you read the book of Acts, didn't feel like he deserved it either. They were scared to death to even walk into the same room as the Apostle Paul. I mean, how many of the disciples and the huge group following Jesus around this time had been witnesses to Paul's involvement in the persecution of so many that they had loved deeply? Had they lost family members because of Paul? Had they... Had they seen Paul drag neighboring moms and dads into the streets and out of their houses and, 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 and taking them to the Colosseum where they would be played with like toys? Had they hidden their children from him when he came into town? I mean, all of this makes sense when you think about it. It makes sense why some of these people would be skeptical. But God's forgiveness was real to Paul. And it changed his life. Paul would go on to write those famous verses that we quote so often in Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And while we were totally, and while he was totally undeserving of forgiveness, Christ died anyways. And Christ gave up his life for you and for somebody as despicable as the Apostle Paul. These words in Romans chapter 5 that Paul penned, they were pretty personal for him. He knew how heavy it was because they signaled this massive change in his life. Paul would later write that the death that Jesus died, he died to sin once and for all. That Christ died for all of sins, for all of time. There's no sin that's unforgivable. He didn't weigh them out. Jesus didn't didn't hang on the cross and and make a list of what sins he would forgive and what ones he wouldn't. He didn't didn't decide that there are certain sinners that he's going to forgive and other sinners that he wouldn't forgive. No, he died. He gave up his life. He did it on a cross. And he did it to offer forgiveness for all of all of our sins. The truth for you and I is the same. That all of our sins are forgivable. Maybe there are some of you who are watching online. Maybe you're tuning in. Maybe you don't go to church regularly. Maybe you're not even a Christian. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you have not followed Jesus. You have not called on him to save you like the Apostle Paul did and like so many of us have done. And you may think, and you've heard these phrases over and over again, you may think, man, I've messed up too much to be forgiven. I don't even believe that that type of forgiveness is available to me. So you avoid God. So you avoid calling on him to save you. 
you avoid surrendering your heart to the Savior of the universe because you think that God could never forgive you for something that you have done. And oh, how wrong you are. Just ask Paul. It's easier to stay away than be rejected again for something that you've done. I really hope that if that's you, that hearing about what Jesus really offers, I hope it gives you great hope today. Knowing that we've been forgiven is the grandest news for us. But maybe it doesn't sit too well with you when it comes to people who have hurt you. What Paul says wasn't just a game changer for us and our sin and our eternal destination. But it changes the game for how we view the sins of others as well. Paul, who I've been talking about, he wrote several letters, 13 of them actually, in our New Testament. And he talks about forgiveness a little later. I'm going to put it on the screen, but in Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes these words. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since we as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. That focus verse, though, this morning is verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That word bear there as that verse starts, it means to hold up, to sustain, or to endure. So Paul is saying to bear, to endure, to sustain with each other. That we need to be patient, and we've got to show mercy, and we've got to walk in humility with whoever has offended you. It doesn't mean, I referenced this last week, that, that doesn't mean that we bear with each other and forgive one another. It doesn't mean that, we're, that we have to walk in deep, intimate relationships with people who have hurt us. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that you have to, to be in friendships with people who are unsafe. It doesn't mean that you have to continue to be harmed by people who just want to harm you. They do exist. Romans 16 would actually tell us to mark those types of people and have nothing to do with them. You can bear with people, you can endure with people without having to align your life with them. Maybe it just means that you stop holding on so tightly to everything that they have done or that they will do. I mean, we talked about this last week. There is freedom and forgiveness. Honestly, forgiveness takes the power out of the hands of those who are trying to hurt you. That verse continues that if we have a grievance against someone, we should forgive. We can't pick and choose which things that we want to forgive. We can't measure them out. Sure, some things are more serious. Some things cause more emotional damage to people than others. And some people, yes, are so much easier to forgive than others. But Paul says to forgive whatever 
grievance. Paul is encouraging people to get rid of this measuring stick altogether. And the answer to that burning question of when should I forgive is easily answered in verses like that. Always. Why? Well, we've talked about that already. It's the last part of that verse. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. God forgives you, so it's right that we forgive others. We have to come to that place where we accept that we are a forgiven people. And Paul understood, and, and you've heard it before, that when, when we forgive people, it's good to offer forgiveness. Because people who have been forgiven, forgive. And in spite of all the terrible things that you've thought, all the things that you've done, all the things that you have said, God loves you. And God loves to forgive you. I mean, I want you to keep that in mind this morning as you think about all the words and the actions that people have brought against you. The people who have betrayed you. The people who have offended you. The people who have brought evil against you. (laughs) Man, if they deserve the same forgiveness that I've been given, that's heavy. That causes me to stop and think for a moment causes me to process because I know that I can be very inconsistent I know that I can be extremely sinful and selfish and still God loves me and he forgives me that God made a massive move in my direction over 2,000 years ago by coming as the person of Jesus Dying for my sin and then offering me great forgiveness. That's amazing to me. I don't know if you're missing how heavy that is this morning. Is that amazing to you today? It's amazing. Maybe I should say the word again. It's extremely amazing that God would forgive us. Because I certainly don't deserve it. And it doesn't make sense. But I'm so glad... That I benefit from it. So Paul tells us to bear with each other and pass on forgiveness to people who don't deserve it. People who have caused us great grievances and deep hurt. Because we have been forgiven. And we have been forgiven greatly. If a friend has betrayed you, forgive. Give it to God, as we talked about last week, and trust him to do the avenging, because he will. Because we've betrayed God more times than we can even keep track of, and he just keeps on forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. I mentioned this last week. Everyone should listen to the song Take You Back by Jeremy Camp. It's a beautiful picture of this process of how he always takes us back. If someone has said something hurtful, maybe we just remember all the hurtful things that we've said. And offer forgiveness. Because the truth is this. When you realize how much you've been forgiven, you forgive. So back to that question of how often should we forgive? If your Bibles are still open to Matthew 18. 
Look at verses 21 and 22 again. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. A little sarcasm there from Peter. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. In the Jewish culture, the teachers of the law, rabbis, they would actually teach that you had to forgive, but you only had to forgive up to three times. So Jesus is turning that poor teaching on its head here with the disciples. And he gives a much bigger hypothetical number. Literally, it just means infinity, like always. Jesus is telling Peter and us today that we shouldn't even measure it. We shouldn't even keep track of how often we have to forgive someone else. They may be genuine as they seek forgiveness, but it's much more likely that they may never ask for it, and we still need to forgive them anyways. You see, Jesus gave us the perfect example, and that example truly gives us what we need to do the right thing today. I think we should understand that we have the tendency to just think about why we shouldn't forgive. Maybe that shouldn't be where we start. Instead, we need to focus on what Christ has done, the example that he has set. We experience his forgiveness. We need to embrace it. We need to be grateful for it. And we need to extend it to others as well. Because when you realize how much you've been forgiven, you forgive. So let that hang heavy on your hearts today. And as the Rolodex is spinning in your mind of all the people who have hurt you, and all of the reasons that you have to harbor bitterness and seek revenge and to get back at that person that did something to you, Remember that God's going to take care of it. And don't forget how much you've been forgiven today. It's a simple topic. But it is so stinking hard to do. Maybe I'm the only one. But I recognize it in my own heart. I want to fight before I forgive. My knee-jerk reaction, I can't even speak of the things that I think and say before I think that forgiveness is a better option. Maybe that's you. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I really want our church family to think through this process of forgiveness. And in the moment, as you're sitting there in your seat, I really want to call you to reflect on this truth that we read from Matthew 18 that Paul shares with us from Colossians 3, this issue of forgiveness. And is there someone, we talked about this last week, is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's 
Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle. I don't know. Maybe someone has caused you the deepest pain and the deepest hurt. And you need to forgive them. And so this morning, I would, I would challenge you. As we sit here in this moment, in the silence of this moment, who is that person? Forgive them. Pray. Give it to God. Forgive them. Maybe you need to have a conversation. Maybe this person has been seeking forgiveness from you for a long time and you refuse to give it. And you need to call that person up today. And you need to tell them, I forgive you. Maybe it's heavier than that. Maybe you actually need to call somebody and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you've hurt someone and you know it. Maybe you've brought deep hurt to someone's heart. And you need to make that phone call today and say, hey, brother, sister, friend, I did this and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Maybe you're here this morning and you're in that group that I talked about a few moments ago and you're not a Christian. You have never experienced the depth of forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers to you today. Maybe you have done some bad things. Maybe in comparison to others in the room, you've done some, you've done some things that you would say are unforgivable. That's not what our God says about it. And so maybe you need to be forgiven by the Savior today. So call on his name. And he'll save you and forgive you. And he'll give you a hope that you could never even dream of. And if that's you, you do it right where you sit. You can find me at the end of the service. One of our pastors, the person next to you. The majority of us can tell you how much we've been forgiven and how much the Savior loves you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning and grateful. Oh, we're grateful for forgiveness. So easy to forget sometimes how much we've been forgiven. So God, thank you. Thank you for forgiving, for loving, and for always taking us back when we take steps away from you. Lord, but we're most grateful that you forgave us of our sin and that you've offered us new life, abundant life, and eternal life. So God, I pray that you would do a work in the hearts of your people that only you can do and that we would be the biggest forgivers on the planet because we've been forgiven so much. We're thankful for the example of our Savior and it's in his name we pray, amen.